How many of you know that you are truly blessed in this country? How many of you know that? You know, every election cycle, when it doesn't go somebody's way, people say, especially Hollywood people, they say, if so-and-so gets elected, I'm leaving. But they never leave. And one time I was telling a few friends of mine, they were very wealthy, I said, why don't you rent an airplane and give them first class seats to go and let it go pick them up? Because the inability to count the blessings of the Lord, that's what that is. When, when we turn on the circumstances of man, we miss the blessings of the Lord. And if we turn on the circumstances of the world and of man, we will constantly be in a place of chaos and we will have stress and anxiety in our lives. We will not be at peace. We've been on a series and this may be considered part of that. And the series has been about the favor of the Lord and it's been a long series, five, six weeks, so maybe you wanna go back and see it. But one of the things we understand is that we live in a time that Isaiah prophesied of, right? Gross darkness, arise, shine, for the glory of the Lord has risen upon you, but gross darkness upon the earth and the people. But he tells us, but the glory of the Lord shall be over us. Beloved, there's a gross darkness over the earth, and politics isn't going to solve it. I don't care what side of energy you're on, the only energy that's going to solve it is his name is Jesus Christ. And I don't care what side of politics you're on. How many of you know that an unsaved person in India could care less about the politics of the United States? How many of you know that somebody who's hungry, who needs to eat, who has children that are withering away in front of their eyes because they don't have food to feed them, how many of you know they don't care at all about what's woke or not woke, what's liberal or conservative. How many of you know that we're so blessed in this land and there are forces, and I'm not relegating it to people, I'm relegating it to spirits and forces that would try to suppress our joy in the Lord because of the blessings that we have. I once shared this with you and I will again and then we're gonna move on. As my father was in his latter moments and he'd suffered a, a, a terrible stroke as they pulled cathodes out of his brain and they ruptured. And in essence, he was paralyzed, just his eyes and a few twitches and relegated like that for two years. A man who had always been very active, a military man, a man who pretty much raised himself through the depression and a man's man, if you will. A fellow who worked hard all his life and all of a sudden it's all gone and you're at the mercy of whatever. And about a month before he passed, there was a, a very, very nice aide that was in the nursing home. And she would come in and sing a song in her own voice, whistle 
talk to him. Call him Colonel. He was a Colonel. We, we called him Colonel. Colonel. Colonel, how are you? How's this? Colonel, it's a great day. Colonel, it's so good to be here with you today. And one particular morning she came in, never expecting a response, because he couldn't. And she basically, for some reason, said, Colonel, what are you doing this morning? And in very distinct answer, he said, I'm counting my blessings. Counting my blessings. Wow. Wow. We are so blessed. We are people that we are just flowing over abundantly with blessings. I don't care what your state is. If you're breathing today and you've got your mind about you and you can move and do things and go, and even if not, go to the worst example you have, a man totally paralyzed like that for two years. Only his eyes could flutter. I'm counting my blessings. You would have expected him to say, I want out of here, right? I want this over with. I want it done with. There are people suffering all over the world today. Terrible suffering. I'd like to tell you that it's going to get solved and get better, but it's going to get worse. Because that's what the Word of God tells us. And the reason why we want to know that is to also know that with gross darkness comes magnificent glory to the people of God. But we must be those who know how to walk in that glory and how to be sheltered in that glory, and how to hold our Lord God above all else so that he can deliver us and give us victory in every situation. Small or large, magna problems and minor problems. Things that matter, everything in your life. It's important for us to know that the Lord isn't just overwhelmed with a magna, and I'm not talking politically, with, with, with a, a big scheme in the universe so busy that he's not intimately involved in each one of your lives and my life. Intimately, every detail. Every detail. He's such an amazing God that he can handle it all at once and go from the very beginning to the very end. And if we will, he will put us on that path, that perfect path of destiny for our lives. And he won't just put us there random. He'll walk with us. He'll walk before us. He'll make a way. He'll make straight a way. He's such a mighty God. We have in our midst two beloved family members, pastors of this house and pastors of a very large house, in Pakistan, one of our beloved nations, our family, our people. And if you have been watching the news over the past month, terrible floods in Pakistan. In fact, I read this morning that a, 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 a Muslim wrote, these are floods of biblical proportions. I want us to turn the lights down, and I just want to share a part of a video prepared by uh, Pastor Anwar and Nita and their team. And just to show you what's happening with brothers and sisters and people in another country, in another country today. This is, this is what they are enduring while we sit here in air conditioning 
on soft chairs, thinking about what we're going to eat later today, going back to clean homes and being able to rejoice in the blessings of God. This is what some other people are suffering. The severe flood has shaken the Pakistan. The report about the losses of lives and properties in rains and floods said that at least 1,000 people had died. At least 95,350 homes have been destroyed. And 5 million people have been displaced. Crops over 2 million acres were destroyed. 707,000 cattle perished and 2,886 kilometers of highways and 129 bridges were totally or partially damaged. Pastor Anwar Fazal, Chairman Isaac Television and Eternal Life TV, felt a great burden to help these people with their basic foods needs, as the families are looking for food for their families.
I think we I think we get the point, don't we? You know, we 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 try to relate to that from some scenes we've seen in the US, like right in Dallas and things like that. And there are times when there's some tragic issues with floods and a lot of rain, but we've never had anything like that. Omar Sharon with me that one third of the population of the country is affected by that. And a vast territory of land and crops and infrastructure, railroads, uh, highways. You see, in this country, we just print more money. Infrastructure, they call it. We just print more money and we just sign bills and we start to rebuild things. They don't have that same luxury there. And we need to be concerned that when things are vulnerable, that the body of Christ rushes in and that we don't just preach the message of Christ, but we show the message of Christ. You know, if you tell somebody who's hungry that Jesus loves them, that may or may not do anything at all, but if you give them something to eat, that will give them life today. So what we've seen in Dallas is nothing like that. On a scriptural basis, you know, floods, as we know, are judgment and cleansing and change. We're gonna believe God for transformation and change in Pakistan, Zendibar. We're gonna believe God that something wonderful is gonna happen out of that. And that instead of us succumbing and allowing the Chinese communist nation to rush in, which is what they're trying to do all the time, and to put that country in a chokehold that this country, led by Christians, will help to feed people. Feed people who need Jesus and need to eat. So we're gonna do our own little part. Omar and Nita were sharing with me yesterday that $20 gives them enough oil and rice to give them food for five days that they can deliver to them. That's what you saw, that bag that one person was holding. And I know from our outreach and ministry time in Haiti that that bag will get stretched to 20 days. We were there. We've done that. So this church will do what we can. And as the Lord puts it on your heart, if you want to do a special offering that we will help to feed our own little part. And I'm going to reach out to some other ministries to do their own little part. We'll leave it up to the people that know how to minister in Pakistan and minister in Pakistan. I'd love to send you over there, but you really don't know what you're doing. You'd just probably be more of a burden than you would have helped. They know how to do it. They know what they're doing, and they're desperate. 
But most of all, we need to pray. Let us pray right now, first and foremost. Father, we ask you to stop the floods. Stop the rain, oh God. It's rained every day, hours and hours and hours for over a month, Father. Stop the rain. Stop the skies from raining, Lord. We release the power and the spirit that you've given to us, even as Elijah. Seal up the heavens, Father, and let the rain stop there in Jesus' name. Father, let there be an outpouring of love, of food, of help to those who are desperate and beyond doing anything they can. Give wisdom to the government there and keep out the forces of evil that would try to flood in in a moment of judgment and cleansing, Father. Bless them, bless. Bless Onward, bless Nita, bless the pastoral staff and the leaders with Isaac TV and, and eternal life. And we ask you, Father, to give them favor and to give them position. And most of all, Father, we thank you we thank you for the transformation of that nation, Lord God. You love them dearly. And furthermore, for parts of India that are also suffering, Lord God. We ask you to bless them, Father, and to let them see the glory and the light of Jesus Christ, even as gross darkness is upon the earth and the people. We thank you for it, Lord. We declare it. And whatever we can sow, Father, multiply it. Press down abundant a hundred, a thousand, ten thousand times. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. We'll get to that in another moment. Father, I ask you, Lord, for an eloquence of word this morning. I thank you, Lord, for power in the word. I thank you, Father, for something that's brief and that's to the point, and it makes a difference for us and speaks to each and every one of us, Father, no matter where we're at and what we think. Holy Spirit, you take over. Father, you be blessed. In Jesus' name, amen. I wrote to you and asked you, uh, is it time for a tune-up? Well, I don't know about you, but, you know, my truck, my pickup truck, uh, a light goes off and a little bulb comes up and it says, time for oil, time for pressure in the tires, time for a tune-up, time for a check. I was talking to a friend who has a Tesla and he tells me that every month they send him a, 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 a little drive that he sticks in the dashboard of the computer of the Tesla, which is all electric and computer driven, and every month it tunes up his computer. Every month. And I said to him, I said, how do you know what's on that thing? He said, that's a good point. I said, how do you know that it's really not doing some other things? And uh, not gathering a lot of data so that the mastermind of uh, Tesla and the wealthiest man in the world can collect more data, maybe everything you're saying, everything you're doing, everywhere you go. I said, you just plug that right in and, and believe it. He said, well, I never thought of it that way. I said, you know, I, I don't even like my phone being on because my phone starts to tell me things or comes up with things that happen to be part of what I just had a conversation with, how about you? And you know, we have a smart TV in our house, we've had it for about four years, and it's so smart that I don't know how to use it. I have to get my wife all the time, it, it, and it changes and goes to places that I didn't put it on. And all of a sudden it's on the internet, and then something's coming on about something we were talking about in the house. I don't like that. The Holy Spirit searches deep 
And deep calls to deep, and he goes deep inside of us. And it says the Holy Spirit in Romans is, is searching you in deep ways and then praying with your spirit in agreement with God in things and ways that are beyond what we know that we need. That's what we want to be plugged into. That's who we want to give the right to invade our privacies. That's who we can trust. That's who we can believe. And I don't know about you, but I'm going to speak for me. I can always use a tune-up. I can always use a tune-up. Now, I know some of you, you're doing so good and you're so great and you don't sin and you've got everything just perfect in your life, you know. But for me, I need tune-ups. Sometimes more often than you would believe. I need a tune-up. I need to tune up my mind. I need to tune up my physical body. I need to tune up my spirit. I need to tune up my language and how I speak. I need to tune up my faith. I need to tune up my worship. I need to tune up my relationships. Is something starting to smack home? As I was praying about this, you know, the Lord sometimes shows me something. and it, It's not, you know, some big, you know, uh, moment that is, is life-changing. I just see it in the Spirit. And when I was praying about this yesterday, you're going to believe what I saw. I saw a baby being born, and, and the helper was grabbing the baby by the feet and immediately turned it upside down and gave it a smack on the butt. I said, Lord, that, what is that about? You want to turn me upside down and spank me, or what are we talking about here? And the Lord said, why is that? Because there's a radical shift and change from the environment of the womb, the security, where there's a whole different environment, and all of a sudden that baby's in a different environment, and that baby needs to learn how to breathe and how to function outside of that environment. And I said, now I get it, tune-up. We need a tune-up. Sometimes we need a spiritual spanking to get ourselves right. Sometimes we just need a little gentle kiss. Sometimes we just need a word. So here's the word. And I think you're going to be able to relate to it, and I relate to it, and we're going to try to go through this very quickly. And in that word, we're talking about transition, aren't we? We're talking about moving, as it says in Corinthians, transforming from a glory to a glory. Everything about the kingdom of God in our relationship with him, your personal relationship with him, is moving from one place to another place. The place spiritually. The place in relationship. Once I was blind, but now I can see. Once I didn't understand God, didn't know he was there, certainly wasn't walking in a life of God, but now I know him. And there was a time when I knew him, but I really didn't know, I just knew about him. And then there was another time as I began to know him greater that I knew some things about him and some things I didn't. And there have been times in all of our walks and all of our lives where the Lord has nudged and moved us from a present glory to another glory. From a strength, as the word says, to another strength, moving us from a faith to another faith. And it's always built upon the firm foundation of the word of God with a revelation of who we are and who he is with us in a new way. That's why we're called new creation creatures. We're new creations. And God is never done creating. Now, we've said it many times, we're going to say it again, because there's a few people that maybe haven't heard it here or online and spread across, but we really create nothing. You say, oh, but, you know, pastor, how about the chip and the computers? And We create nothing. We discover what God has created. 
because by him all things are created and nothing without him is created. We are discoverers. It's the same way in the spirit. We are discovering things God has done inside of you and me and the spirit's bringing it forth and he has created us uniquely with those things, those triggers, those gifts so that we can be equipped for what we need in this time. It was once said as I wrote to you, and I have no idea who said it, and as I began to try and research it, I came up with no one, but somebody said this, and it was good, whoever it was, they said, God does not call the equipped, he equips those he called. You think about Moses. He called Moses, Moses was totally unequipped. He was a murderer, he was out in the middle of a desert with his father-in-law, he was tending to to the livestock. He married outside of his bloodline. We don't even know if he had a couple wives, do we? We really don't know about all of that. We know that he stuttered. We know that he wasn't eloquent. Some say, historically, some of the rabbis, that he wasn't pleasant to look at, but Aaron was. We understand that he must have had some understanding and fear of God, but he really didn't have scriptures. He was where he was at. He wasn't going to a synagogue. He had revisited and rediscovered his identity as a Jew while he was favored in the Pharaoh's house. And of course, we know the story. And some 40 years later, the Lord calls him and tells him, I want you to go deliver my people so that they can come and worship me. And Moses, of course, he's totally unequipped. And then he begins to ask questions. How will I do this? Who do I tell him you are? What is going to happen? And then the the Lord tells him, I am the I am and sends him forth with totally unequipped in his own mindset, but so equipped in in the power of God that he changed the whole fate of Israel and the Hebrews and set his people free. And to this day, the Passover is worshiped, isn't it? And to this day, we understand that there was a transition from a time when the Lord, if you will, was in a box for the people to worship. But today, he's in us. What a transition. But God is still changing and moving and doing things. He's not going to give us a new covenant. We have the new covenant. Jesus Christ, once and for all, who died for everybody, resurrected and sits forever at the supreme right hand of the Father. He's our Lord. He's our creator. He's our sovereign God. There's not going to be another event like that again, but Jesus is coming back. And there's going to be a big event. It's called kingdom here on earth. And the kingdom on earth has been seeping down here since Jesus Christ resurrected from the dead. And he gave birth to his kingdom here on earth. And he told us how to pray. Our Father who art in heaven, thy kingdom come here on earth as it is in heaven. You and I are the ministers of the kingdom of heaven here on earth in the now as we wait for the king to come to earth. That's the time that we're in. And God, just like he equipped Moses, just like he equipped Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and David, just like he equipped John the Baptist, just like he equipped the prophets, just like he equipped Jesus himself in the flesh, just like he equipped Apostle Paul and the disciples and Peter, just as he's equipped everybody that he's called, he's equipped you to minister the kingdom of God here on earth to prepare the way for the coming of the Lord. That's who you are, and that's the time that you're in. And so some are going about here and there, 
trying to find another message, trying to find something that feels good, trying to find a purpose in a way when once we slow down and stop and ask the Lord, what's our purpose? Our purpose is to prepare the way for the coming of the Lord. If you're breathing today, that's your purpose. Now, how do we do it is a different ballgame, isn't it? Not each and every one of us is supposed to do the same thing, but we're supposed to do something. And the first thing we need to do is to be able to understand who we are and to reclaim our identity as those people of God. The reason that the children of Israel failed so many times is they forgot who they were and who their God was. They forgot they were peculiar people that God said, if you do this, I will do this, and you will never, ever be conquered. And if you do this, you won't be sick. And if you do this, I will prosper you. And if you do this, they would forget, and they'd go chasing idols and other messages and tingling messages in their ears. And so there are multiple messages going about the earth today from the same body of Christ. And those messages are good, and many of them I receive and I love them. I've told you many before, I don't like to restrict the gifts and callings of God and the messages that come from women and men of God who are anointed as long as they're on the firm foundation of the Lord and I don't see it going sideways, I like to listen to it. It edifies me, I learn things, I receive things. It's a big buffet, it's a big supper, it's a banquet that God's given us in the body of Christ. But I know one thing, I know the time that we live in, and I know that if it's a time that we live in, all of that, all of that is to equip us to do what God has called us to do, to tune us up, to let us be prepared for number one, survival. Survival. You're not gonna be survived. I mean, yeah, a pandemic came out and the government printed five, six, seven trillion dollars and sent it to everybody and created a whole lazy population that's now in more debt than it was before then because it quit working and it's now jacking up its credit cards. And guess what else happened? Inflation went way up, so now a dollar's worth 87 cents. And all of a sudden, savings have gone down and where people had some savings coming into the pandemic, after all those trillions of dollars, now the average is that people don't have more than two months to survive to pay their, their bills. You see, we can't put our hope and trust in that, but this I can promise you, this is the word of God. This I can promise you, Matthew 6, 30, 31. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and I will supply all your needs. I'll give you everything you have. Seek first, the, that's the promise I wanna rest on. That's the promise I wanna persuade you to rest on. Do you know that over and over it talks about how the apostles, and especially Paul, and even uh, his, his disciples, they would go into cities and towns, and it says they would go into synagogues. Think about this, if you did this study. You go into the, the mosque, and they would begin to dispute the truths about Jesus. What would happen to you? You wouldn't be in there too long, would you? They may or may not throw you out nicely. They might throw, you may never come out of there. It's they would go into the synagogues and they would dispute Jesus. Now, dispute means, in essence, they would begin to dispute what was a truth then and begin to explain to them there's a greater truth now, a new covenant. Interesting that people needed tune-ups that even believed in God. 
One such of those comes out in Acts. And it's in Acts 18. In the verses 18. And I want to read this, some scriptures to you, and then we're going to glimpse our teaching from it quickly and embellish it a little bit. And then we're going to pray. We're going to pray whether you want to sit down or we're going to pray if you'd like to come up and have hands laid on you. Why do we lay hands to stir up the gift of God that's already in you? Right? That's scripture. We believe in the Word of God. We don't make things up. We don't have traditions. We don't have rituals. We don't go through motions. Most of the time in this house and in this service, we don't do what we set out to do. And the Lord takes over. And guess what? Blessed be the name of the Lord. So, let's read this word real quick. Now, Paul was on the move, right? He had been going around from place to place to Corinth and their areas. Paul planted churches. God gave me a revelation yesterday because, I'll be honest with you, I was saying, Lord, how can, how can I be a better pastor? I mean, I know in the powers, I'm not being arrogant. I know the powers I move in, the prophetic, the apostolic, the teach. I know all that stuff. I don't care about titles. How can I be a better pastor? And the Lord, I said, Lord, Paul... And he said to me, look at Paul. So I began to read. Paul wasn't a very good pastor. He, he'd plant churches and the churches would fall apart the minute he left. And the people would become divisive and start infighting and doing things and perverting the gospel he taught. And he'd go to prison. Wow, your pastor's in prison. You, he's given the word. Paul scratching his head. But God gave Paul people who could stay with the churches and pastor them. He gave them Timothy. And I want to read one such way of the God does this stuff because you know what? Each and every one of us has that inside of us. And so I said, Lord, where's my Timothy? I've got Patty, but Patty, she's apostolic. She's as crazy as I am. And, you, you know, the problem is the people I'm raising up, they go nuts like I go nuts. You know, we need, no, I'm just teasing. <laughs> so, let's read it. So Paul was going around from different places to different places, and now he comes to Syria. Well, I relate to that. How many of you know our family has Syrian blood, right? We have Syrian blood. So I said, oh, Paul came to Syria. Maybe he was with one of my cojines over there. And it says, so Paul still remained a good while, then he took leave of the brethren and sailed for Syria, and Pris Priscilla and Aquila, Aquila were with him. He had his hair cut off at uh, Sencrea, for he had taken a vow. <laughs> Stop right there. Paul cut his hair for a vow? You don't have to cut your hair, brother. It's already there, right? It, right? Isaac cut his hair for a vow. Why? Why did Paul do that? Because Paul was still drawing upon his old self, his old understanding of what he would do as a rabbi. Remember, he was training under the greatest rabbi in Jerusalem. He was the heir apparent to becoming the, the top rabbi Jew out of Jerusalem. And he went sideways, and his zeal was to persecute Christians, to try and succumb and sequester the move of God and to stay in this realm. But here he is, cutting his hair for a vow. 
but leaving to go where God had sent him, and he's taken two people that he found in the temple with him, Priscilla and Aquila. Well, do you think maybe some of that didn't rub off and he took something from that with him? Let's talk about Aquila and Priscilla. They were baptized by Paul. And in the scriptures, it tells us, remember the 70 that were sent out by Jesus? That they were two of the 70. So their roots were in Jesus Christ, but they needed to be mentored and trained and moved from a place to another place. They went out in the name of Jesus. It says that they even healed in the name of Jesus, the 70 that went out. And that they, everything they did in his name, they had the same power that he had. They were bringing people to the understanding of God, but yet not the Messiah because the Messiah hasn't raised yet. They were stuck in that place until they met Paul. Paul brought the couple with him to Ephesus, which was a, an ancient Greek city. And then he proceeded to Antioch in Turkey, and he took them with him there. And then he came upon this Alexandrian Jew. But before he went, he cut his hair. Because at some point he had made a vow, and he felt like he needed to keep his vow. Now, the Word of God tells us in the New Covenant Testament, you're better off to make a vow, not to make one, than to make it and not keep it. I had a hard time with that because before I came to the saving grace of Jesus Christ and was really stuck in the law, and in, in, in multiple temples, I made a few vows that I couldn't keep. You know, in the moment, vows sound great. You get excited, Lord, I vow that if you do this, I will never do that, right? And I've had to help some people like I've helped myself to say, you know, the Lord knows who we are. And sometimes he knows in our weakness that we have to ask him to release us from something. Let me give you one. It's, 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 it's relevant to a vow, dedicating things. Dedicate your car. Dedicate your house. Right? Dedicate your children. That's a good thing. That's soul. That's bloodline. But not your house. You dedicate your house unto the Lord. You just gave it to him. It's his house. You can't sell it. Huh? Dedicate the church. This is his. No one else is ever going to have it but God. Dedicate your car and car's 20 years old and the engine's spewing oil. It's God's. My wife and I, we, 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 we were that religious that way too. We got into a home that I built and it was in a recession and we lived in it for a while so we could stay in it while I sold the other ones and we dedicated it to the Lord. The recession went away and then this house sold, that house sold, that. our house is for sale. She lowers the price. They're all selling around us. Nobody's buying our house. And then I got the revelation. We dedicated this house to the Lord. Should we just walk out on the mortgage and leave it to him? Huh? No. So we went and we repented. And we undedicated the house to the Lord. And we said, Lord, we did that in our foolishness. Somebody came and put an offer on the house and a contract in 30 days. 30 days. We need to be wise in our vows and things. Super Paul. Super Apostle Paul. He was operating in the flesh and the law. Oh, pastor. Yes, he was. He was a man. He wasn't Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ already fulfilled all the vows. He didn't need to cut his hair to do anything for God. He wasn't going to get more favor. What he was going to do was blend in with those other Jews who cut their hair for a vow. That's okay. He said, I'll be all things and everything I need to be for somebody. But I want to show you the frailty of Apostle Paul because he too 
was getting tuned up as he went further and further. And we get to follow him in the scriptures. So we shouldn't be a little bit disappointed when we realize in our walk and in our faith that God's tuning us up. We should receive it and be embellished of it. And Paul learned later on as he walked that he needed to get changed of God. Let's move on with the scripture real quick, please. He took Priscilla and Aquila with him. Priscilla and Aquila came from a, 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 a family where um, they had a very devout family. He discovered them in the temple. They became part of his ministry and they had a similar calling, not only to latch on to what Paul was doing for the ministry, but also to make tents. They worked with their hands together. They made tents. Back to Acts 18, please. And I'm gonna read, starting in verse 18. We're with him. He had his hair cut off at, at, at Sanchera, for he had taken a vow. Let's just keep going. And he came to Ephesus and left them there, but he himself entered into the synagogue and reasoned with the Jews. They say reason, but the, the other translation is he disputed with them. He went to debate. And when they asked him to stay a longer time with him, he did not consent. But he said to them, farewell, I must be all means be coming to this feast in Jerusalem. He was leaving for the feast of Sukkot. But I will return again to you, God willing. And he sailed from Ephesus. And when he had landed at Caesarea and had gone up and saluted the church, he went down to Antioch. And after he had spent some time there, he departed and went over all the country of Galatia and Phrygia in order, strengthening all the disciples. He was out planting churches and mentoring people to go. But then... A certain Jew named Apollos, who was born in Alexandria, an eloquent man, eloquent man, eloquent man, unlike Moses, eloquent and mighty in the scriptures, came to Ephesus. Wow, this guy must be spirit-filled on power, revelation of God from all heaven. He must know the, the resurrection and birth and, 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 and the power of Jesus Christ. Mighty in scriptures, eloquent. This man was instructed in the way of the Lord. He was instructed in the way of the Lord. You know how that, how, how way translates? It's the, it's the road, it's the process, it's the code. He understood the code of God. He understood the biblical foundation of God. He understood the way, prepare the way. He understood the road of God. Man, this sounds to me like Paul found himself a super person preacher already tuned up, ready to go, lacking nothing, equipped in all things. And being fervent in the Spirit, oh my God, he's also fervent in the Spirit. This guy's, to be fervent in the Spirit, how many of you think you've got to be filled with the Holy Spirit, right? For maybe it's a different Spirit, but fervent in the Spirit. He spoke and taught dilig diligently the things of the Lord, uh-oh, knowing only the baptism of John. Wow. But pastor, I, you know, I, I, go, this, I, I go here and I listen to that and they're, foo, foo, foo. They, they got it down. They're so strong. They're, they're eloquent. They look good. They smell good. They're pleasant. They, they, they're motivating. They're, but only at the level of the baptism of John. Hmm. Paul found himself a diamond in the rough, didn't he? And it says further, and he began to speak boldly in the synagogue. This is Paul, whom when Aquila and Priscilla had heard, 
they took unto him and expounded unto him the way of God more perfectly. And when he was disposed to pass into Achaia, the brothers wrote, exhorting, exhorting the disciples to receive him, who when he was come helped them much who had believed through grace. For he mightily convinced the Jews and that publicly showing by the scriptures that Jesus was Christ. Apollos, by the way, that's the name of a Greek god that proceeded back to Homer, right? And so God is funny, isn't he? He's got a super Jew who's got the name of a Greek god in a synagogue who's preaching the message of John the Baptist. I don't even know how you would preach that message. I've thought about it. Repent for the kingdom of God is at hand. Well, the king was already here. So what are you telling him to do? You know, I mean, that's, that message has got to get pretty short and old. You're sinners. You need to repent. Change. Change to what, Apollo? Well, change. You got to change. To what? I don't know, but you got to change. Now, all of a sudden, he understands that the change is Jesus Christ. God takes Apollo and tunes him up. After Paul had taken his two disciples, tuned them up, filled them with the Spirit, and they were able to go on. Look what happens next. This is, by the way, the third of the third in the series in the book of Acts. First of all, the word goes out to the Jews. Then it goes to the Gentiles. Now it goes to the John the Baptist disciples. There was a whole sect out there that was stuck in where they were. They feared God. They loved God. They understood the word of God. They were eloquent. They were exciting. They were doing all kinds of things, but they were out of place in the time that they were. Bing, is that beginning to hit? They were out of place in the time that they were. They were good people. They feared God. They loved God. They had excitement. They went out. They sacrificed for God. They even obeyed God, but they didn't understand the time that they were in. And in that time, Jesus had already come and resurrected, and the power of God was released in the Holy Spirit. And if you read into the next chapter, Paul comes across some other ones just like him. And they're fervent, and he says to them, have you been baptized in the Holy Spirit? They said, we don't even know what that is. Who's the Holy Spirit? We're baptized in John. Paul goes, bing. There's a whole bunch. John was pretty powerful. He wasn't around too long, but he, you know, his message resonated to prepare the way, but it never finished to also make straight in, in, in the highway a road. So Paul had to make the road straight. I was talking to my cousin Cindy yesterday. She feels God has called her to help make the road straight at a certain time, and she's spot on. So are you. You're called to make the highway straight. That's the time that we live in. We can be stuck in the things of God and be wonderful people, but not understand the time that we live in, and we need to be nudged and moved. We need to be tuned up. We need to get to the place in the time where we're not only able to move longer and further and stronger in our own faith for ourselves, but to do it for the kingdom. And to use the gifts that God has given us to further it for the kingdom. Whatever gift God has given you, you need to take the pause button off it and start to use it. Because God will bless you in it, and he'll embellish you in it, and you'll help make a way. So we see that Paul was very skilled at raising people up and helping them to get tuned up. 
wasn't too skilled at pastoring. He'd leave them and they'd fall off the side. And, but God had other people that he put in place to help keep the foundation strong. Timothy was one of those people. Timothy came from a very devout family. The issue with Timothy was his father was a Gentile, but his mother was a Jewess, so he went in the synagogue, and that's how today people still relate whether you're a Jew if your mother was a Jew. That's how they do it in Israel, by the way, which isn't biblical, but that's what they do. So Timothy came uncircumcised, but with the knowledge of the synagogue, he was the perfect person to be a pastor to the Gentiles, to be a, a pastor to the Baptists. Do you know that's where that came from? The Baptists, John the Baptist, the Baptists. He was a pastor to the Baptists, and he was a pastor to the Jews that learned and knew Jesus. God created a man younger than Paul to be mentored of Paul, discovered in the synagogue, to be able to pick up the pieces after Paul left. Because how many of you know that when God gives some power, some revelation, you better believe if there's an open door, the devil's gonna run in and try to smash it. How many of you know that? So we need to understand the time that we live in and who we are. In this house, we have taught now for 10 years, this is our 10th year anniversary, about identity, about who we are, about now the favor of God, the spheres of influence that we have that we have steps in our destiny that God has blessed us with, that none of you are here randomly, that everybody who's birthed here today and living here today has been appointed and called of God to be here right now for the time that you live in. I am absolutely persuaded with every breath that I have that Jesus Christ is coming back. And I believe he's coming soon. How soon, I don't know, but soon to me in God's eternity is sooner than not. I believe that the church age is coming to a close and the kingdom age is beginning to prosper on earth. There's an overlapping, just like there was with John the Baptist and Jesus. John was alive and the Baptists were still moving after he left. The church age came and Jesus rose from the dead. It was a whole new age, the birth of the church. The church, we understand, has about a 2,000 year fuse on it and the Lord returns. And we know by the fig tree and the seasons that we see, we understand by so many things the Lord has shown us, especially Israel being regathered as a nation, birthed in a day like the prophet said it would, understanding that he's returning there first. However this is all happening is beyond my total comprehension. But this I know, we live in a time to prepare the way for the coming of the Lord. First inside of ourselves and then with our families, with those things that we have influence over, and then with what we do for the kingdom. You know, if the Lord were to return next week, and I'm not saying he is, what account am I ready to give him for what I've been doing for the kingdom? You know, there's one word that I pray I don't have to use in front of the Lord's throne on that day when we give an account for ourselves. And that one word is, but son I gave you these gifts yes Lord but yes son I gave you these gifts I expected you to do something with them yes Lord but we don't want buts if you got a but in your life <laughs> identify it 
and work on it. That's a tune-up. I'm doing that. And I'm trying to do it better than ever because there's so many pulls on me right now, pulling me left and right and all over the place. So many demands made on me. So many good things to do, but which is the right one for me to do? Just because it's good, it may not be your call. But this I know. God's equipped you. If he's called you, he'll equip you. And I know it's inside of you already from before the beginning of time. He, he has cr created each and every one of you so special, so unique with everything that you need. Sometimes all that has to happen is a little bit of an anointing to release it and set it loose in us. I can measure moments in my life when somebody has spoken into me something that took the lid off my head and opened me into a whole nother realm. Sometimes they didn't even know what they did. All I was doing was happen to be in the place at the time when God wanted some fire to be lit. So we're going to take an offering, and then we're going to pray. You can come to the altar. You can stay where you are. And we're going to pray for the Lord to stir up the gifts of God that are within you. This for you and him. And that this same spirit stay upon you. Not just today, and not just this week, but for our walks, as we're the ones who are called. That we have a discernment to know what to do and when to do it, and what not to do. One of the greatest pulls and stretches on me is people coming to me to do a lot of good things, but I can't do them all. And I'm not called to do them all, somebody else is. And it's very hard when you have compassion and you care about people to say no. But that's another thing God's teaching his people. Do what you're called to do. And don't try to go outside the lanes of who you are and what you're doing. Don't look at what someone else is doing and say, that's what I need to do. That's how I need to be. Stay within our lanes and let the Lord do it. If you'd like an envelope, please just put your hand up. I know some of you had. If you're online, we appreciate your support, especially in this time. You can give online to www.touchheaven.com. You can give by text to 330-845-6005. You can give by mail to Touch Heaven Church to Skyline Drive, Canfield, Ohio, 44406. And if you go to Amazon, you hit that little button and you put us in there under smile.amazon.com and they they give us a small donation from the dollars that they raise. If you've put something in there special for Feeding Pakistan, just note it. If not, we'll have, um, we'll have a, uh, a basket up here and you could put a special offering up here for, for Pakistan. Even if you don't note it, we'll, we'll note if it's here for that. As a church, we're, we're going to contribute and participate out of our missions fund. For your knowledge, for those of you here and those of you not here, we tithe at least 
out of everything that we receive to missions. So we don't have a, spe a, a, a special missions fund and ask you to check a box and this is your tithe and this is your mission. We, we just do it. And ever since we've begun doing that, the Lord has opened the windows in heaven to this house with favor, tremendous favor. And I, I count it all joy when the Lord gives us an opportunity to sow into his kingdom. Because number one, it's treasures in heaven that don't corrupt. And number two, God is multiplying. You know, as I'm gonna pray for, for your offering, I just wanna make this one declaration with appreciation. The favor of God has been pouring out upon this house all year, amazingly. And many of you have testimonies where God is favoring you in your lives. Things are happening, changes are happening. Families are getting stronger and structured. People are getting healed, bank accounts are growing, debts are reducing. And even through it all, with some of the suffering and some of the issues, God is still, still blessing his people. We thank the Lord for the favor in this house. We thank him for that. And there's no person that can take any credit for that, other than the fact that we're trying to walk in purity and holiness in everything that we do. We keep this altar pure and holy for worship. We worship in this house 24 seven with, with music. And we try to tend to the needs of our people quietly, quietly before the Lord. And we thank the Lord for all that he's done. And I pray his blessings upon you. Father, thank you for this offering. We lift it up to you, Lord. We present it to you, Father, for it's yours. All we are is stewards, Lord. Let us be good stewards. Let us be accountable. Multiply that which has come into the storehouse, Father. Multiply it tenfold and a hundredfold upon your people in many ways. Blessings that just don't count with numbers but blessings, Father, that are deep and rich and generational. Bless them, Father, bless favor. And Lord, allow us to walk with a discernment and an understanding. Be blessed, O Lord. We thank you for it. In Jesus' name, amen.